Welcome to What Does This Mean?, a discussion of the Bible passages Lutherans and many other Christians read in church. Today, we are promised a leader who actually practices justice. We read about outsiders being welcomed in, and John the Baptist tells us to shape up so we'll recognize Jesus when he comes. We're so glad you've joined us. I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer. And we are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. For the next few minutes, we'll be discussing the readings that are coming up on Sunday, the second Sunday of Advent. Um, this helps us because we are, one of us is getting ready to write a sermon, but we also just hope that these conversations that we have together help shed some light on these scriptures that we read week after week, um, and also help you make some meaning for yourself about what these Bible passages mean for your own life today. For this season of our podcast, we're inviting special guests to join us um, in our conversations about the readings. And this week, our special guest is Marshall Saunders. Hi. Oh. Welcome, Marshall. Our own host That's here. Right. Yes. Thanks for having me. stepped across the desk That's from right. the— Feels uh, weird to be on this side. From Marshall, producer. Marshall is the one who produces our podcasts each week. He's also our— Church Council President. Marshall, right. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in St. Paul uh, with my wife, and uh, I have two daughters. One is 21 years old and goes to is in her senior year of college uh, in New York City. My youngest is still at home. Um, she's 19 and in her senior year of high school, and she just got accepted uh, last week, week and a half ago, to Pacific Lutheran University. Oh, great. And so she'll be going off there and we'll we'll be empty nesters come September, wow. which is terrifying to me. We're really happy for them. Got one on each coast now. Well, but that the but in two great vacation locations. Oh, no, it's awesome. Absolutely. It's fantastic. I love that. And then of course they can always meet in the middle at, at our house. So and I'm also uh Currently church president um, of Glory Day, like you said, and something that I take really seriously and really enjoy. Marshall, you've been the president now for a couple years. Mm -hmm. What have been just a few of the highlights for you? Working with the staff. Uh, I don't say that just to, uh, just <laughs> because, because you're I... here. Uh, Am I your absolute favorite, though? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I was church president at another uh, congregation, and it was a different situation. And um, when you have very active pastors who work so incredibly hard, like you three do, and um, you live out the mission of Gloria Day, it really, uh, you know, being president is more just like running the meetings and kind of doing the work because there's really not so much leadership as there is just almost an administrative role of, hey, I got to get this done and, and putting into action for the congregation what you exemplify in how you work. So it's a really different role, I think, from church to church. And I really enjoy working at Glory Day and, and being part of the crew there. And certainly I love to be a part of this new uh, sanctuary renewal plan. I'm really looking forward to seeing that come to fruition over the next few years. 
So our first reading for the second Sunday of Advent is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, 1 through 10. And this is a gorgeous reading. So just take a deep breath and listen to this and just take it in. It's some of the best of scripture that we ever read during the year. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. That is absolutely beautiful. I love it. But I'm not too learned in the Bible. Am I recollecting correctly that... The shoot of Jesse is Jesus, right? Is that what they're saying? That Jesse was before David, right? Yeah, Jesse... Thousands of years ago. Jesse is David's father. And And uh, David was... David was the foremost king, 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 king right. like uh, the exemplary, right, you know, right. ideal Messiah. He king. had been anointed and... Anointed means Messiah, and that was one of the ex- expectations is that someday another leader will come who was as strong as David was. So when they talk about the shoot of Jesse, they're talking about way down the road, Jesus will come. Well, or, Christians hear Jesus in this text, and in fact, Jesus takes this text and uses it as his own mission statement, and so Jesus identifies himself with this. Historically, um, scholars aren't sure just what the stump is and what the shoot is. It might be uh, the whole nation being in exile, and so they feel cut off. And so the shoot is this symbol that there's going to be another king. You're going to get home. Um, There's also a time when Josiah, um, who became king, his father— who was king at the time, was assassinated, and he was a young boy. So did it mean that he the, the king was assassinated, but there's this young one who's going to come? But I think the point of all of it is to kind of 
gather all of Scripture together and say, if we are going to describe what an ideal leader looks like and does, this is it. It's this sense of equity and peace and justice and gentle rule that comes that reshapes even the whole creation. The book of Isaiah is in what Christians call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, which are still the Jewish people's scriptures. They would not say Jesus is the the uh, shoot, shoot. shoot. Sure. Um, but I think what what unites us all is that we share this vision of an ideal leader, like what you just said, Pastor Bradley. Christians have interpreted this in a certain way, but and I got the feeling that all of these animals were metaphors for types of people, right? You know, like I don't – it doesn't impress me all that much that a lion would eat straw. But I think the whole point is, you know, some leader of a nation would um, eat the same food or experience the same thing as the lowliest uh, person in their kingdom or something like that. Well, in the in the ancient Near East, when kings were described, they were often described with the strength to kill the bear right. and kill the lion. Even when David is described at one point, who's just this shepherd boy, the writer and king says, but if a lion attacked, he would kill the lion and kill it because he's so strong. So lions played this role of emphasizing the strength often the military or violent strength of the king. So what you have in scripture is a whole overturning of what the lion Hmm. means and the kind of reign that God's ruler has, which is not about strength and violence, but about community and eating together and reshaping the order. And allowing the vulnerable, the little weaned child or the nursing child to, to feel safe and not be attacked even when they put their hands in scary places. Oh, that's, I hate snakes. So the whole talk of <laughs> adders and asps really bother me. I bet a lot of people recognized that right away in verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Because that's the prayer that we pray We have a lot of baptisms at Gloria Day, and it's the prayer that we pray um, when we do the laying on of hands after the baptism has happened, and we we pray for God's spirit, um, and we use this language. And so really, when you think about what's going on, we're sort of anointing the one who's been baptized the same way that this shoot of Jesse is being described here in this passage. Right, that, like here's another shoot coming up from the the trunk of the tree that is going to grow into a tree and bring new life and healing for the the nations. I think the whole image of a, a sprout, a, a shoot coming out of a, a stump is so helpful for us in our daily lives. When there's been a destruction around us, some somebody's fallen apart, someone has died, some marriage has collapsed, some someone you lost your job, whatever it might be, it just feels like everything has been cut down. Everything I worked for was just sawed off at the bottom and now I'm nothing. And then a little shoot sticks out and says, no, you're not nothing. You know, there's still a promise. There's still a future. You still have life in you. Your your life is still going to be 
vibrant and meaningful and helpful and good for the world. That's that shoot. And that would be true for the people of Israel as a whole, as a nation. And then for any of us to, to say, when, you're, when your church falls apart, when your country falls apart, when your family falls apart, that's not the end. And Advent is always this invitation to say, oh, I haven't finished. Wait till you see. We're hmm. just getting started. Well, why don't we leave it at that and we'll take a quick break. Our second reading will be Romans 15, 4 through 13. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I might be totally misinterpreting this, uh, this is beautiful, and it's a, a quote of hope and and uh, optimism. But also, do I sense some frustration on Paul's part? Like, okay, I've been trying to convince all you Jews to come over to Christ, okay? And so now I'm going to the Gentiles. Th- mm. This is the Gentiles now. And it's almost kind of like a threat. Like, hey, listen, it's the, this guy's the god of the Gentiles too. So if you're not on board with this— I'm I'm going to go start converting the Gentiles to this Christianity since you guys aren't on board here. Right? I don't know that he <laughs> thought that they weren't on board. I think he I think they believed this is a group you're right to say it's a a community with diversity in it. And there are some people who were Jewish Christians and Jewish mm-hmm. followers of Jesus and some who were Gentile followers and there was a brokenness, a sense of well they don't do it right, right. and we do it right, they do it some wrong way. And Paul is is saying, I'm going to take you way back in scripture. Scripture is still giving us 
all the reasons that we can live today. And he starts quoting all these different Bible passages from Mm -hmm. his Bible that um, said, no, God is among the Gentiles too. It's not just, you know, we're not alone. And in fact, God's inviting us together to join together with one voice to praise. Like how would we use all the diverse voices in our community to actually sing praises to God and and do God's work in the world. Paul became a bridge from, you know, the Hebrew mindset into the mindset of the Roman Empire and kind of the Greco-Roman ways of thinking because he kind of lived in both of those worlds. And so I think he really wanted those to be brought together, that he saw in Jesus a way to unite what was a huge dividing wall. Because he says in other places, you know, our job is to break down the dividing wall of hostility. And the way people thought was if you were different, you were you were the other. And uh, the Jewish people thought that about the Greek folks and Greek folks thought that about Jewish folks. And he's like, look, Jesus erases Every boundary that we've tried to set up um, and brings us together into one community, that's that's what grace does. I, that Galatians 3.28 is one of my favorite verses about – There's and it's Paul again writing to the Galatians saying there's no longer slave nor free, no longer Greek nor Jew, no longer male nor female, but all are one in Christ Jesus. So that sense of really trying to break down the barriers, the – things that keep us divided from one another. So welcome one another, he writes here in Romans, the sense of, look, God has already welcomed all of us. We've already been included in God's welcome. So welcome one another. If you if you recognize that you've been welcomed into God's love, others have also been. And so we can recognize each other and welcome one another. And that's you know his, his uh, encouragement here with the sense of, God is always bringing us to new hope. It, again, I, I'm imagining that they're thinking, that's never going to happen. We're not going to be able to get along with each other. We have all these different habits and traditions and rituals. And ugh, you Well, know, think what, about how we good. do that now. We you do know, it now. We, we look at other cultures and we say, well, they are so different than the way they go about things that there is no way we're going to be able to have any connection with each other. So... Why even Why try? bother? Yep. You Why know? try? Well, they're as different as the fatling and the lion, right? Uh, Who then lay down together and and get along and eat each other's food and uh, right. The wean child and the snake. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They're they're that different. Yeah. Neat connection. That's great. Why don't we take a little break? Our gospel reading for this Sunday is from the third chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, 
the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Well, when I saw this, that this was our reading for today, I felt like that was kind of like a God moment because John the Baptist, or JTB as I call him, is by far, by far my favorite person in the Bible, including Jesus. I like I like John the Baptist even better. He had his own followers during that time. So Yeah, and he's awesome. You know, the locusts and all that sort of stuff. I, I think he's um really great. But it's interesting, like we got these two readings. You know, the 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 lamb and the lion will lay together and they'll be friendly. And then Jesus will bring all the Jews and Gentiles, like we'll all be one happy family. And John the Baptist like, no, no, you're going to burn. He's going to <laughs> light you on fire. The brood of vipers is not allowing the <laughs> right, babies exactly. to play nearby. Yeah, the baby's on fire in this scenario. <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, he comes with a lot of anger and a lot of uh, wrath. And uh, it's kind of interesting to juxtapose those. Uh, right? What do you make of that when, when Jesus is going to come and light us all on fire? Well, it gets your attention, right? <laughs> John knows how to how to capture an audience. I mean, maybe that's part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I sort of think, I think it was last week we talked about how a lot of these Advent texts are about reorientation. And it feels like, um, yes, there's this language of burning and mm-hmm. kind of condemnation. And, but I think another way of hearing it or another way of interpreting it is that he's really – John the Baptist, JBAP actually is how my textbook oh, really? in seminary, my nice. Old Testament textbook, I always called him JBAP. So I call him JBAP. <laughs> That's his rap name. Yeah, right. <laughs> JBAP. He's a DJ. JBAP and P. Diddy. John the Baptist is really trying to um, reorient us and help us – again, sort of clear out the stuff that's getting in the way. And so that we're prepared when Jesus comes to actually see what he's up to. It's kind Um, of the world turned upside down, right? right? When when Jesus comes, nothing that you have held on to is going to be the same. Right. I just feel like John has a nose for hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Like when you're spouting one thing and living something very different. And I think 
we still need people who can point out our hypocrisy. And it's not like there are some people who are hypocrites and some people who aren't. We all are because we all espouse to one thing, but then when nobody's looking or when we're afraid or anxious or greedy, we do something different. And Advent is like, all right, now is the time of year. Put away all the pretense, you know, put it down and and live from the depth, live from the courage of your convictions, be what you say. And actually, I think that's a great voice for us in the middle of Advent, before we get to all of our celebrations and we have put in all our kind of idealistic ways that we talk about what Christmas is, let's get real first. And those things that are separating us from the ideals are going to be burned up. God's not going to tolerate it. It's not It's not there for our health or well-being. It's there to destroy us, and God has no interest in it. It's going to be, you know— destroyed so that we can really live fully in the promises that God wants to make for us, that God has made for us and is already being, is already revealing into our world. I preached a sermon once on this text where I said, this is actually, the unquenchable fire is actually good news because we all need some things to burn down. And even if we can't quite figure out how to do it ourselves, there'll be a day when God will remove the thing that's keeping us from full life. And in the end, death raises us up to new life. The thing that we think finally will separate us, death is burned up and we are uh, raised up into eternal life. And I think sometimes it's okay to think of Jesus as fire because there are things that make us really mad. Right, that we get mad at and that we do want to tear down because they're awful things. And this hypocrisy of leadership is one of those things that I think he was saying, he's going to come and he's going to burn this to the ground. And whether that's really technically on fire or you're just going to come and you're going to turn the whole, um, you know, apple cart upside down. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is, you know, the ultimate, the oracle of, you know, the Messiah is a lunatic guy who is in the middle of a river with weird clothing and eats bugs <laughs> and God himself comes and he's in a barn. You know, it's it just that ultimate upheaval of everything that you thought was worth something or everything that you thought uh, gave you the aura of power is the opposite. And the most meaningless, the most craven existence is where God will come from. That's a great place to leave it. Thank you, Marshall, for joining us today. We're interested to hear from all of you what you think this means. We hope you'll drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We also hope you'll rate our podcast and leave us a review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. Thanks again, Marshall, for joining us today. Uh, thank you to our assistant music director, Paul Friesen Carper, for providing the music you heard on the podcast. And again to Marshall uh, for producing our podcasts. Join us for worship every Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45 a.m. with Sunday School for All Ages at 9.30 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. 
You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com. 